Well, good morning, everybody. Can we give it up one more time for our Hume staff? That was awesome, fantastic. Thank you, sir, gentleman and a scholar. Hey, so what I want to do this morning is I want to start with like a 30,000-foot view of the Bible. So like if ever you've been in an airplane and you go way up and now like when you first take off, you can kind of see like little people still and then cars and then you get way up and everything's kind of like squares and blocks and farm. And the higher up you get, the kind of broader view that you get. I want to give just a real broad view of this thing called the Bible. Because each session we're opening this thing up and we're learning about who God is. We're learning about who we are. And, and we're learning about how, how are we to respond to who God is and who he created us to be. And so I thought it'd be important that we just kind of get a big 30,000-foot view of this book before we dive into the passage of Jonah today. Now, the Bible is unique. It's different than any other book that's ever been written in the history of mankind. It's actually a collection of 66 different books, actually ancient manuscripts that were compiled together. And these ancient manuscripts were written by over 40 authors over the span of 1,500 years, and yet all of them are held together by this common thread, the person of Jesus. I mentioned last night the Old Testament is looking forward to a coming Savior. His name is Jesus. The New Testament looks back on the Savior that, is, that has come to rescue us. And so God has revealed himself to us through his word. See, men didn't just get together and go, hey, let's come up with this thing called the Bible and write it. It was written over this long span, and it was actually God in his spirit who moved these guys to write. And in that, God revealed who he is. Now, the way God reveals who he is to us is, one, through creation. If you go outside, even if it's cold at night, and you look up and you see the stars, and you look out and you see the snow and you see the trees, you go, wow, there's something just beautiful. There's something about creation. God's handprints are all over creation, including over you. You and I, the Bible teachers, were created in God's image, that, that we are a reflection of who he is, and he's revealed some of who he is through creation. He also has revealed himself through his word. And he's also revealed himself in and through the person of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh or God with a bod. It rhymes that way you can remember it. Everybody say God with a bod. Okay, so if you want to know what God is like, you look at the person of, of Jesus. And now today God continues to reveal himself through the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to teach you guys something that's really hard to explain and I can't totally explain it, but the Bible teaches it and so it's true. And it's this, it's that God is three and yet one. He is one and yet three. The theological word we use for this is trinity. It means tri-unity, three yet oneness. So, so think with me here for a second. How many of you, uh, you guys love math? Math is your thing. How many of you are like, nope, math is not my thing? Okay, even if math is not your thing, you can hang with me here for a second. I'm going to give you a math problem. You ready? Okay, no, don't worry. It's an easy one. I know it's early and some of you, where's, where's my person who didn't sleep last night? I'm watching you. Okay, uh, so what is one plus one plus one? Three. Good job, guys. Good job. I'm proud of you. Okay, when we think about God, and the Bible teaches God is three and yet one, one and yet three. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One divine essence expressed in three distinct persons, but don't think addition. Don't think one plus one plus one equals three. Think multiplication. What is one times one times one? Okay, if somebody said three, just tap on the shoulder and just whisper, one. 
Okay, uh, so addition, 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. Multiplication, 1 times 1 times 1 equals 1. Don't think addition, think multiplication. God is 3 and yet 1. He is 1 and yet 3. And here's why this is really important for us to understand. Before God spoke the universe into existence, God has always existed. God has always been relational. God in his very essence, God in his very nature is relational, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For all eternity past, and here's why this is a really big deal. God didn't create the world, he didn't create you and me so that he could receive love. He already had love. He had experienced love for all of eternity. God created the universe not so he could receive love, but so that he could share love. So that he could give love away, so that he could share the love that he'd experienced for all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with you and with me. That's why we exist, and all of that is revealed in this book called the Bible, this collection of books where God is speaking to us so that we might know him. Here's the story of the Bible. The Bible is not like your typical book either where it's, you know, beginning, middle, end. The Bible is actually a beginning, middle, new beginning story. And it begins with this, God creates mankind in his image to be with him, to receive that love that God had experienced for all eternity past. God creates mankind to share that love with us. Yet for there to be love, there has to be choice. And what did mankind do? We chose to run from God, just like Jonah. Adam and Eve, God's with them in the garden. He says, hey, just don't eat this one fruit. What do they do? They eat the one fruit, and now they've created separation. And the story could have ended right here. Again, your Bible could be more like a pamphlet. But God, because he loves us, because he created us to be with him, God didn't let the story end there. And in fact, at the very beginning of your Bible, God begins to put a plan together and begins to reveal that plan to us of how he's going to restore what's been broken by our sin when we run from God. And every religion on the planet, every religion that's ever existed is all about this. It's all about, okay, so if there's a separation between us and God, what must you and I do to try and work our way to God? Here's the problem. God's standard is perfection. And none of us can work our way to God. You guys remember uh, we had Levi? Did I get that right? Levi up here? Levi. Hope you're feeling good today. Okay, so we had Levi up here, and, and Levi, remember, lightning bolt and all that. What, what did death do? Death separated. Good job. Gold star. Okay, death separated. So uh, if death separates, what can a dead person do? Nothing. What can you and I do to work our way to God? Nothing. The Bible teaches we are dead in our sin. We're dead in our transgressions. We've all run from God. We all confessed that last night. But here's the story of the Bible. When you and I couldn't work our way to God... God, in love and mercy and in grace, he worked his way to us in and through the person of Jesus. God met us right where we were at. He met us in the mess of our sin. He met us in the mess of humanity. And God has pursued us. Now, the story of Jonah, the account of Jonah, it's kind of like this, this miniature picture of the big picture of the Bible. So that was our 30,000-foot view. This is the story of what God has done. We're going to talk more about that tonight. But Jonah is like this little miniature picture of what's happening in the meta-narrative of the Bible, the big story of the Bible. So God loved Jonah just like he loves us, and he created Jonah so Jonah could experience and receive that love. 
God wants to share that love with him, and God wants to invite Jonah into the work that he's doing, just like God wants to invite you and me and all of us into the work that he is doing. See, in the garden with Adam and Eve, God invited them to be a part of bringing order out of chaos. Subdue the earth and fill it, God says to them. He wants them to join him in the work that he's doing. And so God is inviting Jonah into the work that he's doing, but what does Jonah do? He runs away, right? God says, Jonah, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing for the backyard gnomes. Now, that, that's not actually in the Bible, but that, you guys get it. Okay, and so he says, I want you to be a part of it, and, and Jonah runs. You guys remember where we left off last night? What's going on with Jonah last night? He's on a boat, right? And a huge, he's headed towards Tarshish. Good job. And this huge storm comes, and all the guys are like, hey, we're all going to die. Who's caused this? And now they start to figure out, oh, it's Jonah. So let's pick up where we left off. Verse 11. It says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Here's what Jonah says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it'll become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. See, sin, when we run from God's design, when we run from God's direction, in that moment, sin way overpromises what it will deliver in our lives. Sin looks so appealing because we live in a world that's full of lies that says, if you do these things, that'll satisfy your soul. If you run from God and actually run over here, then you'll experience love, then you'll experience belonging. It's a great lie. You guys remember last night, what, what do we run from when we run from God? We run from wisdom and truth. We run from love. Good job. We run from blessing and we run from our purpose. See, when we run from God, see, a lot of times what we do in life is we're chasing after love. We're chasing after belonging, yet we're running from God. And the great irony is when we run to God, we're actually running to love. We're running to belonging. We're running to blessing. We're running to our purpose. Yet in life, there's all these lies that say, no, you need to run the opposite direction. So Jonah's been doing that. Now he's experiencing the consequence of his sin of running from God. Verse 13, so he says, you got to throw me in. And, and they go, ah, there's got to be another way. It says, instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. So these sailors who do not know God, they have compassion on Jonah. And they go, well, what if we just try harder? What if we just try and do the work to save Jonah? But they can't do it. They can't save Jonah on their own. They can't do it in their own effort, in their own strength. They need God's help. They could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. So like, okay, we only have one option. It's to do what Jonah says, throw him into the, into the ocean. And so they begin to pray to this God whom they're just now meeting for the first time. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. I, I imagine this moment in my head. So imagine you're on a boat and everything's, you know, crashing and, and the boat's about to sink and everyone's thrown all of their livelihood off of the boat. And then finally they do the one, two, three, heave, ho with Jonah and he lands in the water and then it just goes calm. Like in my mind, like does the sun come out and like the, the ocean's still and then Jonah's just like doing the doggy paddle like next to the boat? Like wouldn't that be weird? Like if you were the sailors that threw him in, wouldn't you be like, 
should we let him back on the boat now? Like the storm's over and he's just kind of sitting there awkwardly. But then God takes care of that. Okay, so they throw him in. Everything grows calm. I just like to picture this in my head. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And Jonah's just bobbing in the water. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. So before they could bring him back on board or whatever, if they were going to have that conversation, giant fish comes up, whoop. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Listen, when you and I run from God, here's what we will experience. We will experience distress. And sometimes the distress we experience, it's the consequence of whatever it is that we're running to as we're running from God. I remember I was in another country with my siblings, and they said, hey, this is uh, not too exciting. Let's liven things up. Let's go shoplifting in a foreign country. And so me being the youngest of four, how, how many of you, you're the youngest sibling? Oh, man, it's a hard life, isn't it? It's so hard. Okay, how many of you are the oldest? Just, just, all right, all the oldest in here. I got my oldest son with me. Okay, awesome. And if you're a middle child, nobody cares. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How many of you, you guys are, are middle children? My wife hates that joke. She's a middle child. Okay, I'll get in trouble if you guys tell her I said that. Okay, um, so I'm the youngest, and so my older siblings are like, hey, let's go shoplifting. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and so they, they go ahead of me, and I'm showing up, and as I'm, I'm going to be the third person to walk in, we got this plan or whatever, before I get in, they come running out, and I hear a dog barking. And my older siblings run past me, and a dog's coming at me. And what had happened is they had kind of blown our cover the, immediately when they went in, and the owner released a dog to chase us. And I don't know, maybe to eat us. I didn't know how this was going to end. All I knew in that moment is something had gone horribly wrong. And as we were going, oh, this would be exciting. This would be fun to go do this thing. It ended up there was consequences for those actions. And so I did what any youngest sibling would do. I turned and I outran my older siblings because there's something as being the youngest sibling. There's this like extra gear that you can shift things into. And your body just gets pumped full of adrenaline, right? All the younger siblings, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I shifted into that gear. I passed them. But it was terrifying. And I thought, I might die in a foreign country right now. And that's one of a thousand stories of times that I have run from God and experienced the consequence. See, sin will take you way further than you want to go. And it'll cost way more than you're willing to pay. And it'll keep you there. And the consequences never appear until you have actually crossed over that line. And then you go, oh, this is why God doesn't want me to do that. And sometimes it's not just the consequences circumstantially. Sometimes it's just the consequences of our own souls. See, your soul, my soul, we were created to be with God. And when we run from God, our souls experience the loss of that relationship. Our souls experience what what we're actually longing for. We're running away from it. And so Jonah now says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. Jonah is experiencing the pain of running from God. And the next verse says, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Here's what that teaches us about God. God listens to the prayers of runners. Which means God hears your prayers. Even if you've run, which all of us have, God loves you. 
He cares for you. He listens to the prayers of runners. I've said it again. I'm going to keep saying it. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what has been done to you, God loves you. God pursues you even as you run from him. His goodness, his grace are close behind you. And then Jonah prays this prayer. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I love the picture we had in the production. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah acknowledges all throughout his story God's working behind the scenes. Think about with me here for a moment. Why did God allow Jonah to board that ship? He could have stopped him. Why did God send the wind? It was God who sent the wind onto the sea. Why did God let those men stand on the edge of death? Why did God let the lot fall to Jonah when they cast lots? Why did God immediately calm the sea? Why did God then send a great fish? Why is God doing all of this? He's doing that not to pay Jonah back. God is doing that to bring Jonah back. Because God is patient, God is loving, God is compassionate. The story of Jonah, the account of Jonah is about God's compassion for people. That God loves people more than anything else in all of creation. There's so many beautiful things out in creation. I love, like, it's kind of weird, I'm, I'm going to admit it, but when we're in the cafeteria and there's a bunch of dead animals looking at us, like, it's a little bit weird, but it's also kind of cool because you're like, wow, look at all these beautiful animals God created and that somebody shot and we put up here at lunch. Uh, but, but it's cool. <laughs> To see the beauty of all of creation. But listen, of all of those animals, God doesn't care about the animals nearly as much as he cares about you. You he created unique. You he created in his image. You he continues to pursue even as we rebel against God. And yes, all of creation is affected by our rebellion. Yet God continues to pursue you. God's crazy about you. God, God loves you. And sometimes in life it seems like things are going really bad. But God's actually working behind the scenes and in spite of that. Sometimes when it seems like God is absent or God's not at work, he's actually doing his greatest work. See, Jesus, when he gave his life for your sin and mine, we'll talk about that tonight, he was placed in a tomb and for two nights, three days, he's, he's there in the tomb. And his disciples are thinking, God's absent. God's forgotten us. But it was actually in that moment that God was doing his greatest work. And as Jonah is in the belly of this whale, he's probably thinking, God's gone, he's forgotten me. But God was actually bringing Jonah back to where he had run from. God was bringing Jonah back into his will of direction, into what God had for, for Jonah. Jonah prays, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. To run from God, in other words, he says, is to run from love. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In other words, Jonah's saying, I'm going to preach this message that God's pursuing, even the Ninevites. God's pursuing us. 
And at that, verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. He gets barfed on the beach. It's kind of gross. But better than being slowly digested. Any of you fans of uh, Boba Fett? Uh, How many have watched Boba Fett? Okay, you know how he's in the Sarlacc pit and he's slowly getting digested? Anyhow, that's probably kind of what's happening to Jonah. So he probably looks a little gnarly when he gets barfed out, seaweed wrapped around his head. His skin's probably all like flaky and stuff. Anyhow, uh, so he gets barfed up on the beach. And that's where we're going to pause until tonight. At the account of Jonah, we're going to, by the way, by the time this weekend's done, you're going to have read an entire book of the Bible. We're going to have read that together. And we're going to see what that means for you and for me. But God, just to to say it again, because this is really important. For Jonah, for us, God doesn't allow consequences just to pay us back like he's out to get us. No, he allows those consequences so that he can bring us back. Because of everything in creation, God is crazy about you. He's crazy about me. He's crazy about us. He wants us to be back in a relationship with him. And when Jonah does this, here's the word I want to leave you with this morning. When Jonah turns back to God, as he's praying inside the belly of the fish, he goes, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. The Bible word for that is to repent. To repent is to do a 180. Jonah, you guys remember, slow motion running. Jonah is running from God, and as he's in the belly of the whale, he finally says, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And he repents. And when Jonah repents, God relents. They talked about it even in that production. Did you hear that word, relent? Where God is doing all of these things, allowing all of these consequences to bring him back. And then when Jonah finally says, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, God says, okay, let's do this. It's what God wanted all along, relationship with Jonah, to work together in partnership with Jonah, friendship with God as God's chief end for you and for me, for us to have relationship with him to experience his love in our lives and to share that love with those around us. That's what the Christian life is all about. Tonight, we're going to look at God's invitation to the people of Nineveh. And with that, we're going to look at God's invitation to you and to me. Listen, God wants to rescue all of us. God is compassionate. He's patient and he's loving you pray with me? Father, for each one of us here, may we understand at a deeper level, God, your love for each one of us. And God, that that you hate sin because you love us. You're crazy about us. God, I pray that as we go throughout our day, that today would be a, a day full of laughter and fun and excitement. And God, that you would be preparing our hearts for what you want to speak to us tonight. The invitation, God, that that you offer to all of us to receive your love, to receive your grace, to receive your compassion, that you prepare us for that. God, we love you. We're grateful. Thanks for Jonah. Thanks for letting him go through all of this so that we might learn from his example. Guide us. Give us wisdom of these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.